0: Join with me in prayer. Almighty God, we ask your blessing on this time of worship. On this time where we come and we bring ourselves before you, desiring desiring to draw nearer to you. Desiring to draw nearer to you so that we might catch a glimpse of you, a taste of you, and see you all around us. Amen. I was talking recently with some folks about God. I know you probably think that I spend most of my time talking with people about God, but really I don't. I spend a lot of time talking about things related to God or more specifically things related to church. And of course I talk about people, but I love when I get to talk with people about God. And on this particular day, I was reminded in the conversation that it makes good sense that God is hard for us to understand. It makes good sense because belief can be complicated. When you think about it, part of what makes science so fascinating is that even though things are difficult to understand through scientific analysis and learning, we can often get answers. Sure, there are mysteries, even in the scientific world, but there are also answers. Math is another field that while certainly there are theoretical approaches to math, math can bring solid answers. I remember in law school that several of us took a tax class. We weren't interested in tax necessarily, but we were so excited in this class because once math was introduced to the law school equation, It felt refreshing to have actual answers, answers that could be proven with numbers and with formulas. You see, in law school, the most common beginning to any written answer to a question was usually something like, it depends. Ambiguity is why we have lawyers, why we have advocates for different points of view. In a similar way, when we look at the mysterious nature of God, it can be similarly ambiguous. I've said this before, but for many people, their religious affiliation has more to do with their cultural heritage or their background than it does with some firm set of definable beliefs, even. One might go to a Presbyterian church because that's the church that their grandparents attended. It feels comfortable and perhaps even acts as a reminder of heritage. For others, a certain denomination provides a pivot from a different faith background. And then there are those who attend church primarily for the connection to others, for the ways that they can love others and experience the love of others. I actually think that all of these are wonderful reasons for attending church and being part of a church community. These are the things that draw us in. They connect us to one another. Part of why the inability to safely gather in person has been so hard is that we have lacked much of the connection. Connection that happens in a glance across the sanctuary. Connection in working alongside someone half your age or double your age on a service project. Connection that happens when sneaking one more brownie at fellowship, hoping your wife doesn't see you, and being caught and maybe even encouraged by a dear friend. Connection even happens when you're trapped in a conversation in the fellowship hall and you really just want to slip away. Connection particularly the strange and different and deep and meaningful and authentic connection that happens at church is missing and we feel separated. For sure, we're finding ways to connect and in in some new and different ways. But I want to invite you to go to the hard space of recognizing the discomfort and the pain and the loss you've experienced from this separation. I do want you to long for our time together and allow yourself to lament the loss of it. I was talking to a church member when I first started at PCWS. We were talking about faith. And almost in a whisper, the person said to me, I'm not sure what I really believe. I just know that I love being here. I love these people. Over and over again, not just from this member, but from so many of you, I've heard similar sentiments. I've heard you say things like, something is different here in this church. I can't quite explain it. Or when one of you, when talking about God, looked at me and said, God, this is God, while they gestured around to the people gathered in the sanctuary. They said, this love that drew me into this place and kept me here, this is how I know God. And so when we're physically separated from one another, it can be easy for us to then feel as though we are separated from God. As I said at the start of this sermon, I was talking with some folks about God. And in this conversation, what I realized is that we need to give ourselves some grace, some patience, some forgiveness, some time, some room when it comes to understanding God. This is a lifelong quest. And yet the two easiest options when it comes to our belief in God are the most common that I hear. Either unequivocal affirmation of belief or complete rejection. You've seen both of these, no doubt. And perhaps you fall into one of these categories. Of course I believe in God, absolutely. Or maybe some variation of the other one. Uh, sorry, I'm just not into this whole God stuff. You ever heard of science? And I say that these two are the easiest because neither acknowledge the ambiguity, the inability to prove, and they both ignore the risk of proclaiming belief, the risk of embracing the mystery of this God we can't fully understand, but this God in whom we are invited to take the chance to trust. So why do I say that we need to give ourselves grace when it comes to understanding God? Because understanding God is about the most difficult thing to do. Understanding God, and friends, make no mistake about it, as created beings designed in the image of God, this is indeed what we were created to do. Understanding God means surrendering our desire and our need for absolute clarity. But the good news, the the great news is that we begin to understand God more and more and more deeply and truly when we experience this humanity of others, the, the love of others. We experience God more and more deeply and truly when we love other people, those we know, but those who look different from us, who talk different from us, who act different from us. We experience God, we begin to understand God when we do the things that Jesus spoke about, the acts of loving others and loving God. And so, yes, very much so, we understand God when we are with others, when we are vulnerable with others, when we love others. And I wonder if another way to see this is that we begin to get a taste of who God is when we love others and when we are vulnerable with other people. And we get a taste of the joy that God has when God sees you and looks upon you. We get a taste of God in our interactions with others. I don't know about you, but back when Costco still had samples, I loved going through and trying new things but my father really loves those samples. In fact, like many couples, I think my parents' most exciting dates now in retirement have been their trips to Costco to cruise the samples. Invariably, dad would end up coming home with some new product, some strange food item that he'd never have purchased without that taste. Our relationship with God is so strangely similar. In our loving connection with others, We're given this taste of God, this introduction to God's love for us. But the introduction, it's also an invitation. An invitation to learn more about this God who created the world and this God who loves each one of us. An invitation to a journey of not just feeling God's love embodied in the actions of this world, but to understand that God's love that goes beyond good feelings Because friends, when the good feelings fade, when the challenges come, when the pain overwhelms, when the loss and anguish and when fear envelop us, and when our brokenness becomes too much to handle and we just don't see how the pieces of our heart or our lives can be put back together, it is our God and our God's love for us that remains alongside us in all of our brokenness. It is God's love, God's love that was made perfect in Christ and made perfect in God's act of raising Christ from the dead and made perfect in Christ's love from which we can never be separated, even in our brokenness. We have trouble understanding this sort of love. We have trouble understanding this sort of inseparability And especially when we live in a world that is continually being turned upside down, it is even harder for us to look to the world, to look to our present reality, to try and understand God's love for us. In our text this morning, Paul knew this. Paul knew that our human separation from God would make us feel like God wasn't present. Paul knew that when the stresses and pressures of our lives come, when we would be separated from others, it would be easy for us to turn away, to doubt God and to run from God, to find a sense of satisfaction or a salve for our wounds or maybe even some joy and happiness from other sources. Paul knew that these pains and confusions and fears would make us think that we are separated from God or that God is no longer with us. Or maybe even... They could make us think that God doesn't exist, or even worse, that God doesn't care for us. If this was true in first century Rome, it is even more true today. In the past several weeks, our scripture lessons have often centered on hope over and over again. Now, it could be that I've just picked up on this and and preached on it, but I also see this as a thread throughout the gospel and throughout these lectionary texts. But I wanna be clear about something. The Christian hope of scripture is not always a promise that our present pain will go away or that our suffering will cease or that our fear will ease. The hope of scripture, the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope of our God, is that there's nothing that can ever separate us from God. There's nothing that can ever separate us from the God who loves us. That God is with us. In all of our experiences, in our recovery from illness, from surgery, that God is with us in procedures, that God is with us in our suffering, that God is with us in our loss, God is with us in our pain, God is with us in our fears, God is with us in our success, and God is with us in our joy. God is with us when we think we've got nowhere to turn, and even when we think we've got it all. God is with us in the midst of all of it, even in our death. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the hope. The hope that in our brokenness, we are never separated from the love of Christ. And in the resurrection mystery, in the mysterious promise of God's inescapable love, God brings beauty and a hope for a time when we will be in a place where there is no more suffering and there are no more tears and there is nothing friends there is no thing there is nothing that can ever separate us from god's love we may not understand it we may not see it we may not be able to hug it or laugh with it or feel it but nothing can separate us from it. May we have eyes to see and hearts to experience this mysterious love of God that is with us always, wherever we are. This is indeed our journey, a journey of discovering the God who is so, so close, the God who does give us the power and the ability to make love manifest in our relationships but also but also the god who weeps with us the god who is with us the god who is closer to us than we can seem to comprehend the god from whom nothing can separate us in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen